Similarly, in the universal affair, different departments are being taken care of by some appointed executives. Those appointed executives are known as devtas, devas. And just as the government officials get some special benefits, special facilities, like in India, it is very common to see government quarters. The government employees have their quarters. And the higher officials, they have their bungalows. And you know, big personalities like the governor has, governors have their palaces. So it's, this is how, just as government officials get facilities from the government, in the universal affair, these executives who are taking care of different regions or different areas of responsibility, they get some facilities. So, this heavenly planet has lots of facilities. And what is their qualification? They are the appointed employees of the Supreme Personality. And then beyond that, beyond Sargaloka is Maharloka, then Janaloka, then Tapaloka and Sattaloka. These areas are predominated by the Senti personalities. Beyond the executives are the Brahmanas, the thinkers those who meditate on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, those who act for the pleasure of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And accordingly, they are situated from even higher platforms. First is Mahaloka, then even more exalted sensory personalities stay in Janaloka, then even more uh, exalted personalities live in Tapaloka. Uh, Tapaloka, Tapa means austerities. They are simply perform austerities. What is austerity? Austerity is negation of material needs. In the material nature, we need the body needs different facilities. And when one tries to negate, avoid those needs, they are that those that practice is called tapa or austerity. So <clears throat> then tapa loka. Now we can see the negation of body's needs means more detached from body. And more detached from body means more attached to the spiritual existence. So this way we can see the more spiritual one becomes, more exalted his position becomes in the universal. And then finally, Sattaloka, the abode of Lord Brahma. And all these planets are inhabited by living entities. When we see the luminaries in the sky, the stars and other luminaries, they are not empty space, empty things. They all are are filled with people, living entities. And those planets have their controllers, predominating personality. One supreme predominating personality in each planet. And those planets are known according to him. Say for example, there is a personality called Brihaspati. The personality, he has a planet. Uh, 
and he lives there surrounded by his followers. So that is uh, the planet Brihaspati, which in English is known as Jupiter. Similarly, Sukra, Venus. So these are all planets dominated by different exalted personalities and inhabited by here, by their associates. Now beyond the universe is the causal ocean. The universe, each universe is, is floating in an ocean. And that ocean is called causal ocean. Not exactly floating, it is rather we have to see it as submerged in the causal ocean. Submerged. All around the universe is the causal ocean. A kind of water, kind of a substance, which is called cause. Don't you use the expression like because? Behind every action, there is a cause. Now, nothing happens just by chance or accident or happenstance. Everything has a cause. So cause is a substance. And there is an ocean of cause. And the universe is actually submerged in that ocean. Now the causal, then beyond the causal ocean is the spiritual world. So when you go beyond the causal ocean, which is also known as Viraja, it has been identified also as a river, Viraja river. This river is separating the material nature from the spiritual nature. So, when you go across the Viraja or the causal ocean, then you come to the spiritual world. Now the spiritual world is diametrically opposed to the material world. Material nature is a nature or a world of darkness. Here everything is in darkness. Just consider, had, there, had the sun didn't rise, and if there was no moon, and if there was no electricity or fire, what would have been the condition of this world? Would there have been any light? No. So in this way we can see that this world is a world of darkness. And sun is actually providing the light. Not even the moon. Moon doesn't have its own light. It's reflecting sun's light. And all the inflammable objects, they have derived that ability to burn is from the sun. From sun, say for example the trees, uh, what do they do? They derive, they extract, their, they collect the energy from the sun through their leaves, through photosynthesis and preserve that energy in the cellulose, uh, the, the, the wood of the tree. And that is how they have this energy to burn or give out light. So, <clears throat> so this is the simple understanding. This is the world of darkness. But that world is diametrically opposed to this world. Just as, you know, what is the diametrically opposed feature of darkness? Light. Just as this world is a world of darkness, that is the world of light. And that light is called Brahma Jyoti. And that light is actually generated by the Supreme Personality of God. He is an effulgent personality and that light is coming out of Him. And 
Beyond that light, there are planets. Just as this is a world of darkness and there are different planets in that darkness. There also in that world of light, there are different planets. Those planets are known as Vaikuntha planets. Vaikuntha, the word Vaikuntha means no anxiety. Bigato kuntha iti vaikuntha. This world is a full of anxiety and fear. The anxiety and fear are actually connected to each other. From anxiety come fear. And some fear come, fear causes anxiety. It'll be interesting to note in Germany, in German, the word for expression for fear is angst. Angst. See the link? Anxiety and angst. Also in Dutch? Yes. Also in Afrikaans. <laughs> so this is the reality. This is the world of anxiety. And that is the world where, it is, where there is no anxiety. And no anxiety, what is the actual shape of this no anxiety? No anxiety means joy. So this is the world of anxiety, world of fear. World of anxiety due to suffering. That is the world of what is opposed, diametrically opposed to suffering. Joy. That is the world of joy. Now just consider our situation. Where are we actually from? We are from that world. But somehow or other we have fallen here. Is it a very pleasant situation? Therefore the Lord makes the arrangement to reclaim us from here and take us back to the world of joy. And in order to do that he makes various arrangements. In order to do that, in order to reclaim us, he comes himself from there. And he reminds us, why are you suffering here? You are actually meant to enjoy. So come back. So that is why the Lord, although he doesn't have any business here, he comes. Just as the king does the king have any business in the prison? The prison is actually meant for the prisoners. The criminals, the lawbreakers. It's a place where they suffer to learn their mistakes and rectify their mistakes. That is the purpose of the prison. So this material nature is like a prison. Now who goes to the prison? The criminals. So those who are here, who are they? Yes, criminals. Now, <clears throat> what is the definition of crime? The definition of crime is disobedience to law. The laws are there when somebody breaks the law, that becomes the crime. So just as in this material nature, we have prison house where the criminals are subjected to, because of breaking the laws, 
Similarly, because we have broken the spiritual laws, we have been put into this prison house. And that law is very simple law. Obedience to the Lord. Obedience to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So that's why the Supreme Personality of Godhead comes here and says that, look, side with me, be with me. When he comes, two sides are, two opposing factors are created. Divine and demonic. The Lord's side is the divine side. And the opposite side is the demoniac side. Demons, who are the demons? Demons are the ones, those who do not accept the authority of the Lord. Those who do not accept the authority of the Lord. Rather, they want to become the Lords themselves. So, he comes and he shows through his pastimes. Like always we see when the Lord comes, there is a demoniac feature. There was Hiranyakashipu Hiranyaksha. The Lord appeared as Nishingadi and Varahadi to kill him. Then Ravana, Lord appeared as Ramcha. Then the demons like Shishupal, Dantavakra, Duryodhana, they were against Krishna. So, now the option is open to us. Should we side? Should we go to the divine side? Or should we go to the demoniac side? That is the choice we have. When the Lord performs his path. And now in India actually we are seeing a trend. They are actually opting for the demoniac side. They are making Ravan the hero. They make Durjadhan the hero. They make Karna the hero. But actually the normal Society in the normal society, everyone understands who to follow. Like we grew up with understanding to side with Ramchandra, to side with Krishna, to side with the Pandavas, be like Arjun. So that is the purpose of Lord's appearance. And the Lord sends his devotees also. Sometimes he himself comes and sometimes he sends his devotees. His devotees are his agents. They carry his message to tell people what to do, who to side, by glorifying the Supreme Personality of God. <clears throat> they don't blindly follow the Lord. <clears throat> they see the wonderful qualities of the Lord that automatically inspires one to follow the Lord. Like we see Ramchandra, such wonderful qualities is displayed. Krishna, what a wonder, all the wonderful qualities is displayed. So the devotees sing the glories of the Lord by broadcasting his pastimes. But sometimes the Lord himself becomes a devotee, comes as a devotee. 
That's a very, very rare occasion. When the Lord Himself comes, performs, like say for example, the king goes to the prison and he declares, okay, who is going to side with me? Who is going to surrender unto me? He uh, displays his regalia, displays his grandeur and glamour, and the, he displays the benefit of surrendering unto him, and then he makes an offer. How many of you want to side with me? And those who side with him, okay, out of the prison, come back to the spiritual sky. So that is how uh, the Lord does. The king of kings comes to this prison house and he makes that condition. Those who are going to side with me are going to become free from this imprisonment. But in some rare occasion, the Lord assumes the role of a devotee. Say the king comes to the prison and he plays the role of a prisoner to teach the prisoners. That come, you know, I surrendered myself to the Lord and that's what happened. So that is the most magnanimous aspect of the Supreme Personality of God. In order to benefit the prisoners, he himself becomes a prisoner. The king becomes the prisoner. He acts like a prisoner. He dresses like a prisoner. He acts like a prisoner. <laughs> and he teaches the prisoners the benefit of surrendering to the king. The king himself is teaching them the benefit of surrendering to the king. And that is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Therefore he has been described as the most munificent, most munificent, most magnanimous, most generous most compassionate, most kind. Mahavadanaya. And what he is doing? He is giving out Krishna prayer. So the difference here is the king says that you have to surrender unto me. Meaning, you have to love me. Generally, the king, when the king, when the Lord descends, that, that's the condition he makes. Okay, I am here, I am performing my pastime, and develop your loving relationship. But in this feature, when he is coming as a devotee, he is distributing that love. Previously, it was conditional. One has to decide for himself to love the Lord. Now here, he is giving him the love of the Lord. So that is why he is so munificent. He has been considered to be so munificent. And how is he distributing that love? Whether one understands or not, he is teaching them to say, Oh my Lord, I love you. Oh my Lord, I love you. Oh my Lord, I love you. He may not understand what is love, what it means, but he keeps on saying that. And by hearing that somebody is saying, telling the Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. The Lord accepts. Okay, you love me, you love me. It's so wonderful. And He reciprocates. So what is the Sanskrit way of saying, O oh, all-attractive Supreme Personality of Godhead, I love you with all my heart and soul. 
हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम राम So when the Lord came as a devotee, mind you, He came at a time when it was the most degraded phase of existence. The Kali Yuga, the most degraded. People are completely averse to submission to the Lord. they're totally atheistic they do not believe in the existence of god that is the feature of this age absolutely atheistic absolutely degraded absolutely offensive so at that at that most degraded condition at that most degraded situation the lord has come to bestow this most amazing mercy to bestow his most amazing mercy what is that uh, most amazing mercy or to understand that or we can say why that is the nature of love nature of love is the most unqualified one becomes the object of attention for example the father has four sons one son is very capable very well situated the next son is okay but he is not as competent as his elder brother the third son is still in college and the fourth son is a toddler now tell me upon whom the mother's attention will be projected the most to them youngest one and especially when that son becomes sick what does the mother and father do what do they do they stay up through the night taking care of the child so that is the nature of love the most competent doesn't deserve the greatest attention the weakest one demands the greatest attention so that is why the lord has become so merciful in the age of kali in this age because the people in this age are most degraded most unqualified most fallen absolutely sick the lord's mercy has come down to take care of them he himself has come down and how he is going to display his mercy as i said by giving them the means by which they will become qualified to receive or develop that loving relationship with the lord so he that's why he came to introduce this process of chanting the holy name of the lord that's why he came in the age of kali and when he descended when he appeared what did he do he appeared at a time when there was a lunar eclipse eclipses are actually very inauspicious times these are the moon and sun and they are the the divine objects they are auspicious objects but when those auspiciousnesses divert what does it mean most inauspicious situation rahu is 
devouring more. So at a time like that, what is the natural custom? To chant the holy name of the Lord. Because at that inauspicious moment, the chanting of the name of the Lord causes auspiciousness. In that, uh, to drive out that inauspiciousness and establish auspiciousness. So the Lord descended at a time, appeared here at a time, to took his apparent birth in this planet at a time when there was lunar eclipse. And at that time what people were doing, they all were chanting the holy name. They all went to the Ganges or some auspicious situation in temples and other places. So see how he descended making the whole world chant the holy name of the Lord, he appeared. And this is how we can see that what, you can see what his mission actually was. His mission was to make the whole world chant the holy name. And then <coughs> he attracted his devotees. Some of the devotees recognized that he was the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Especially his grandfather, from his maternal grandfather, was a great astrologer. In India there is a culture of calculating the, the person's future from the time of his birth. The time when one takes birth, seeing the position of different stars and planets, they can determine the whole entire life of that person. Seeing how different planets' influence will be casted on him. And on a day-to-day, -day, they can actually measure that. And his maternal grandfather, after reading his horoscope, meaning seeing the position of the stars and planets, he could make out that he is the Supreme Personality of God. Because this kind of characteristics are not possible with an ordinary living entity, no matter how exalted he may be. So in this way, some individuals, some exalted devotees, recognize him. Prior to that also we have seen that the demigods have come and offering prayers to Mother Sachi when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in her womb. So in this way, the demigods knew that the Lord has descended. As I was mentioning yesterday, the purpose of this seminar describing these pastimes of the Lord is to make everybody recognize that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Supreme Personality of Godhead has descended as Sri Chaitanya. So this is how his pastimes started to unfold. He took birth like a human being. Now, because he has taken birth like a human being, doesn't mean that he is a human being. One should not make a mistake like as People do nowadays. He has taken birth, I have taken birth. If he is God, then I can be God. He looks like a human being, I am a human being. Therefore, if he can be God, I can be God. 
So these are the unfortunate features of this degraded age of Kali. People are so envious that they cannot, they cannot surrender to the Lord. Rather, they want to become the Lord, want to become the supreme controller themselves. But when we see the life and activities of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it's so amazing that when we go through them, then we cannot possibly have a shadow of doubt that he is the Supreme Personality of God. And another thing that Prabhupada wanted, Prabhupada did not want us to blindly accept something. Prabhupada wanted us to justify whatever we accept. Probe into it, find out why it is. Prabhupada used to push us actually in his challenge. He used to challenge us to make us make us accept it in a proper way, with proper understanding, with proper knowledge. Prabhupada didn't want us to even accept because I'm saying it, you have to accept. No, use your intelligence and find out. So, <clears throat> this is how we find Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, how he descended in order to distribute, in order to promote or propagate the chanting of the Holy Name. He appeared at a time when it was an inauspicious moment of, of lunar eclipse. Then as a child, he used to do something also, very unusual. Not unusual, I won't say unusual. Like, it was a common thing for children to cry. But the unusual aspect of this cry was, he wouldn't stop crying. Once he would start crying, he would just keep on crying and crying and crying. Nothing could stop him. The babies cry, but then if they are treated by the mother or others, take them onto the lab and take them around, they stop crying. But this baby wouldn't stop. And lying in his cradle, he was crying and crying, nothing would stop. Then one day, it so happened, sometimes somebody exclaims, like, oh my Lord, why is he kind like that? Oh Krishna, why doesn't he stop crying? And immediately the child stopped crying. Everyone was surprised, what's happening? He was crying in such a way and all of a sudden he stopped. Then again he started crying and he wouldn't stop. And then somebody again said, Oh Krishna, and he stopped crying. So now they understood how to stop him from crying. How to stop him from crying? He would cry, and the moment you chant the holy name of the Lord, he would stop crying. And as you stop chanting the holy name of the Lord, he would start crying. So this is how uh, he made everybody chant the holy name of the Lord, even as a little baby. So you can see at the time of his appearance, he made everyone chant the holy name. And as a little child, uh, in the pretext of chanting, and I'm sorry, in the pretext of crying, he made others to chant. So this is how from his childhood, he started to make everyone chant the holy name of the Lord. Then he started to display some amazing, uh, amazing activities. Like <clears throat> the baby was in the room 
helping me mind. The mother is doing her household chores. The father is busy doing something. And then all of a sudden, from the room, they heard, they heard the sound of ankle bells. And they were surprised. What is there in the room? Where the ankle bells, where the sound is coming from? Then they went to the room and they found some footprints. As if somebody had been walking in that room. Now the baby is lying on the bed. He doesn't have any ankle belt on his ankles. And they began to wonder what happened. And in an in innocent way, they felt maybe the Bal Gopal who is there in the altar, the Bal Gopal came out of the altar and he was walking around. And it is the ankle, it is the ankle bells from his ankles that made that sound. Then the boy started to crawl. The babies, they walk on their hands and feet. That's their first movement. So the babies crawling, sometimes he's crawling in the courtyard, sometimes he's crawling. So as a baby Nimai, one day he was crawling in the courtyard. And Mother Sachi came out of the house and she saw the child is running after a snake. There's a huge snake. And the child is running after the snake. Like, just like the baby sometimes, children sometimes like to play, not knowing how dangerous this snake is. And now mind you, when the child catches the snake by the tail, what happens? Shhh. It spreads its foot as if he is going to bite. But instead of biting, the snake that did something which is equally dangerous. It coiled around the child's body. And the child happily <laughs> Lying in the coil of the snake. Now consider the condition of the mother. Everyone came running, hearing that cry of the mother. <coughs> and the conditions, the seeing the situation, they couldn't figure out what to do. Because if they will approach the snake now, the possibility that the snake may bite the child. So what they did, they just started to chant, Garura, Garura, Garura. Because snakes are afraid of Garura. So <clears throat> at that time, the snake left the child and slithered away. What a wonderful pastimes. <laughs> Causing so much anxiety and then you see the relief. Now the consideration is, who is that snake? He came to play with his brother, Krishna. Balaram, as Anantashesh came to play with Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. 
Okay, so <clears throat> at this point I'll invite some questions. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for such a beautiful uh, class. It was so stunning. <laughs> um, you mentioned about um, the Baba of Krishna. So I just had a question about Vishwarup. What was the, the role and the purpose of Mahaprabhu's elder brother in, in um, his pastimes? What do, could we understand that he wasn't around for too long? I also understand from Jaitanya Chaitamrita that when Vishwarup departed and took sannyas, uh, Sita Thakurani came to console Sachimata and uh, baby or child in mind. So, so my question is, what is the role of Vishwarup in uh, Mahaprabhu's and what do we understand from his yoga? Yes. <coughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. And before Krishna came, Balaram came as Vishnu. One way of looking at it is you see, Balaram actually makes all the arrangements for Krishna. Like when Krishna becomes Garbhodokshai Vishnu and decides to lie in the Garbha ocean, he needs a bed. So in that ocean of Garbha ocean, how to arrange a bed for him to lie down? Balaram becomes Anantashesh and makes the bed. So, the point is, Balaram makes all the arrangements for Krishna. Krishna's appearance, Krishna's. Say, <clears throat> so now that Krishna is going to appear in the womb of Mother Sachi, Balaram came as Vishwarupa to make the arrangements in Mother Shachi's womb for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to come. So this is how he became his elder brother. Appearing in the womb to make the arrangements in the womb for the arrival of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And so then he took sannas. Now Balaram also appeared as Nityananda Prabhu. Same personality appeared in two ways, as Vishuru, as Nityananda Prabhu. So eventually, Vishuru merged into Nityananda Prabhu. That's why Sachimata used to consider, that's why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to consider him as his elder brother. And, so, and he used to treat Sachimata as his mother, Nityananda. Right? Hare Krishna. Yes? Kumar, just you mentioned uh, about Vrindavan uh, Krishna appearing once in a day of Brahma, and today also in terms of Lord Chitmata's pastimes appearing, which is very rare. What happens in the other proper yugas? Uh, within the day of Brahma, is is it is it an expansion of Krishna and the pastimes are they also from Goloka Vrindavan? No, those pastimes are avatars, Juga avatars, to establish Juga Dharma. That's not the supreme personality of Godhead Himself. Their incarnation of Juga avatar, and they establish Juga Dharma. So there's no Vrindavan Leela during those? No, no. This Vrindavan Leela is only once in a day of Krishna, of Brahma. Any other question? Kumar, yesterday you mentioned that um, you know, in, in order to understand Raja Leela, you need to understand Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's evolution, his past times. So then shouldn't we 
be getting Chaitanya 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 first and then Srimad Bhagavatam or? Uh, <coughs> well, that understanding will obviously help, especially understanding Krishna's Vrindavan uh, Leela, Braja Leela, especially Krishna's pastimes with his cowherd boyfriends, with his parents and with his gopis in these three mailers, friendship, parental and conjugal. But Srimad Bhagavatam has to be studied first or before that because Bhagavatam is not only revealing Krishna's Raja Lila. Bhagavatam is gradually taking us to the Raja Lila. So in Bhagavad Gita we understood Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead but his, his actual glory hasn't been properly understood there. That understanding comes from Srimad Bhagavatam. That understanding, the, the broader understanding which comprises of the Lord's relationship with creation. Bhagavatam has ten aspects. Shrishti, Sarga, Visarga. Primary creation, secondary creation. And then Sthana, the planetary systems of the universe. Poshanam, maintenance, Utaya, relationship, Manvantar, the reigns of different Manus, Ishanukatha, the descriptions of different incarnations of the Lord, and then Muk, liberation, cessation of material existence and the ultimate source, the Lord as the ultimate shelter. Mukti, Nirodha, Ashraya. Prabhupada described this Ashraya as a Samam Bona, the ultimate feature of the Lord. That is, he is, the loving relationship with him is the ultimate consideration. So Bhagavatam is gradually taking us to that point. And then we are exposed to Chaitanya Charitamrita to understand after hearing Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan that what is the significance, what is the meaning and depth of this pastime. You see that? Because after all, Bhagavatam has been written before and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is explaining Srimad Bhagavatam. So unless you understand Bhagavatam, where is the room for explanation of Srimad Bhagavatam? Alright? And not understand, rather, unless you have been exposed to Srimad Bhagavatam, then comes the consideration of explanation. And that explanation takes to the proper understanding. Okay, so I will stop now. I'll stop now. At the end, I will just make one little note that yesterday, Krishna Kumari's question uh, or her comment actually made me think, and I just wanted to explain that point also. The first I would like to say that what she said is relevant. That should we see the woman as a kind of property of man? <laughs> like the consideration is actually not, it is not that that they become the properties of husband as such. <clears throat> Sri Radharman Prabhu actually explained that. 
It is a mutual relationship. In one hand comes the surrender and the reciprocation comes in the form of relationship. Like as we pointed out, Sakya. The wife submits herself to the husband and then the husband accepts the wife as his life's partner, not as a slave. It is not a relationship of slavery. It is a relationship of companionship. And that partnership is giving rise to the relationship of friendship. Be doing things together. So, now I'll go to the main point actually. Ultimately, there are two considerations. One is a relative consideration and the other is the absolute consideration. In the material nature, all these aspects that the scriptures are indicating is actually a relative consideration. In ultimate issue, it is not factual. In ultimate issue, that is not what it is meant to be. And in order to go to the ultimate issue, say when it comes to proprietorship, who is the actual proprietor? There might be secondary proprietors as such. Like a king may claim that his kingdom belongs to him. But is that the ultimate consideration? No. The king must understand, king must recognize his kingdom belongs to Krishna and he acts as a representative of Krishna. So that is what uh, the secondary or relative consideration and ultimate consideration. Social consideration or material consideration, but beyond that, the ultimate consideration is Krishna is the supreme proprietor. Krishna is the supreme controller. Krishna is the supreme maintainer. So the goal of the scriptures is to take us to that level. But in, before, in order to take us to that level, the scriptures are giving some, some mandates. Is giving some uh, secondary arrangements in order to lift one, uplift one to that ultimate. So I thought I would uh, uh, explain it uh, to your comment, Krishna Kumari. <laughs> you want to say something? <laughs> Thank you very much, Marge. I hope I didn't disturb you or mm. your congregation. I realized yesterday was neither the time, manner, and place to express such opinions? No, it, it often happens with me, you know. Like, I say something, I, but then I feel that it needs further clarification. And, you know, I was thinking about it and I thought that I must explain this to you all for proper clarification. I'm very grateful that um, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I'm very grateful that I've met his representative in you and in my garage, and uh, that's enough for me. That's more than enough. Thank you. Thank you. And we are also very happy to meet you. <laughs> Hare Krishna, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. I hope the breakfast is ready now. Mahaprasadi Govinde. Nama Brahmani Vaishnave, Salpakunna Vatan Rajan, Vishashanaiva Jayate, Sharira Avita Jal, Jarendriya Tahikal, Jive Fele Vishayo Shagore. Tāra Madhe Jumāvati, 